0: My goal, with the short time tonight that we have, is to walk us through Thursday night together. And what you see from Maundy Thursday in this evening, especially as we look to the synoptics, tonight we'll be primarily focusing in the Gospel according to Matthew, is that every main scene of Thursday evening is marked by man's failures, man's sinfulness, and Jesus' grace and faithfulness. Every scene, every scene is marked by human failure and His faithfulness. Nothing will stop Him from doing what He came to do. Even the failure of those He came to save. I want us to begin looking at Matthew chapter 26, where the story begins in verse 17. And we see from these verses that though he was betrayed, yet he still blesses. He still blesses. Verse 17 through 30, we read, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful, and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with Me will betray Me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of Him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray Him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is My body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink it again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. We'll stop there for now. Here we find ourselves on the day of the preparation of the Passover, which is Thursday. This is the day where they would slaughter the lamb, which would be eaten upon the Passovers on Friday. Yet the Lord is aware that the ultimate Passover lamb will not be slaughtered on this day. It will be slaughtered tomorrow at Calvary. And so He eats the the Passover here on the Thursday before with His disciples. And He does this because he will st- establish a new Passover meal. One which will recognize the greater sacrifice which will actually cover the sins of God's people. It will be his sacrifice, his broken body, his poured out blood, which will establish a new covenant for all who place their faith in him. He does this and he is reclining around the table. He has already washed the feet of the twelve. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, in this culture, there was no greater display of affection than inviting someone to the table. This was a supreme act of blessing to invite someone to come and commune with you. Jesus has washed their feet, He has blessed them by inviting them to the table, and then He breaks bread. With all of them. And yet in the midst of them this whole time. Is his betrayer. He's fully aware. He says it. He, he, he calls him out. Jesus here shows himself as the sovereign Lord that he is. The omniscient Lord that he is. And yet he shows himself also as the merciful Lord that he is. By still washing Judas' feet, by still inviting him to the table, by still breaking bread with the one who would betray him. Now, I know me. I don't want to sit with anyone who betrays me. But not Christ. Even though he will be betrayed, yet he still blesses. But notice something interesting about Judas' language. When Jesus says that, that one of you will betray me, notice all the other disciples say, Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? But with the moment that Judas says it, is it I, Rabbi? See the difference? These other men had saw Jesus as the Lord of glory. They knew that he was the Lord, they knew he was the promised Messiah. Judas, he's just a failed teacher, he's just a teacher. And if all you ever do is see Jesus as another good moral teacher, you'll go out of here and betray Him tonight. If He's just a good teacher for you, you'll go and betray Him as well. If He is not Lord of your life, you will walk out of here and betray Him in an instant. If He's just another teacher. Yet, in the midst of this betrayal, the Lord knowing it, He still chooses to bless. By breaking the bread, by washing the feet, by inviting him to the table. Here he is surrounded by the realities of a failure of a close friend. And yet, he still blesses. What manner of love is this? But he does not stop there. For secondly, he was denied. And yet, he will restore. He still restores. We see this, verse 31, 35, we continue. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. That's Zechariah thirteen seven, by the way. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I'll never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. We often only think of Jesus, Judas as the betrayer, but brothers and sisters, all 12 of them betrayed him that night. You will all fall away because of me. He says this as the Sovereign Lord, who was the very word that was behind Zachariah's prophecy that when the Messiah come, the Lord would strike the shepherd and the sheep would scatter. and tomorrow the shepherd will be struck. but they will scatter before then. They will all fall away. You will fall away. My friends, this is high treason. This is the king of glory. And I love Peter's self confidence. Not me. These other suckers might go, but not me. I'll die with you. Beware confidence in the flesh. It, you will fail if your confidence is you. You will fail. And in the midst of all that self-confidence, all of them say, yeah, us too. Jesus says, no, you will all fall away. But listen to his words in verse 32. This is powerful. But after I am raised up, okay, that's a sign of hope. I will go before you to Galilee. So Jesus is already doing a couple things here. One, He's already sowing the seeds of the reality that what's about to happen isn't going to stay happened. He will be raised up. It's a promise of hope. But the promise of hope isn't just in what's going to happen to Him. It's what's going to happen to them. I will go before you. That's Yahweh language. I'll go before you to Galilee. What's that presupposing? You're going to meet me there. You'll fall away, but you'll meet me in Galilee. Why? I'm going to restore you. Even though you will fall away from me, even though you will deny me, I will restore you. This is what he says to Peter specifically. We see this from Luke's account, Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. That For you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Notice that. Your faith won't fail. Well, it's about to, isn't it? So was Jesus wrong? No. What Jesus is talking about is that ultimate failure. Your faith will not fall away for good. You may have a weak moment. You may slip. But your faith is as sure as I am faithful. I will restore you when I do strengthen your brothers. In other words, He's saying, I'm going to restore all of you. to restore all of you. Even when He was denied, even those who committed high treason and with a single word, He could have spoke them to nothing and that's what they would have rightly deserved. He says, I'll restore you. You will deny me and I'll restore you. And He does it through prayer and that's what we see in our next scene. We see that He was slept upon and yet He still intercedes. We see this in verse 36-46. to Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and He said to His disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with Him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then He said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with Me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My betrayer is at hand. He is slept upon. And yet He still intercedes. This is the moment. This is the moment. When the weight of it all presses in on the humanity of Christ. Father, if there is any other way to not drink of this cup, let it pass. But if not, Thy will be done. What's the cup? My friends, don't fall into the trap of hearing what so many preachers have said. Oh, Jesus in His omniscience looks and He, he sees the fact that He's going to get whipped and nailed and it's, just, it's too much for Him. No way! That's not what unsettled the Lord of glory. Countless of His followers would go and suffer worse painful deaths than He would. Countless of His followers would be crucified on crosses. It wasn't the physical torment that He asked to be taken. What was in the cup? The cup was the full wrath of God for every sinner of whom which He would die for. And when He went to Calvary, the holy hatred of God against sin was poured out on the Son who never sinned a moment of His existence. Your and my sin is who it, was, it was, was set for. And He drank the cup dry of God's wrath. That's the cup. And here we see His absolute resolve to say, Thy will be done. I will be faithful when even my followers can't stay awake. Can you imagine this temptation? The the serpent whispering in the greater Adam's ear. This is what you're going to die for? you failed. These weak men. This is what what you'll die for. What's wrong with you? I told you at the beginning, I gave you all this. Is this what it's succumbed to, Jesus? Dri- dripping drops of blood in a garden? Is this what you will succumb to? And Jesus looks the victor, looks that wicked serpent in the eye as a grand victor. And he says, my father's will be done. But my friend, that night Jesus did not just pray for himself in the garden. He prayed for you. He prayed for the very ones who slept upon Him. We see this in John 17. I want to read a portion of this to hear His prayer for you in the garden when everyone else slept upon Him. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom You've given Me. For they are Yours, and all Mine are Yours, and Yours are Mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to You. Holy Father, keep them in Your name which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that's Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world." I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth as you sent them into the world, or sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. And loved them even as you loved me. Even when he was slept upon, he still intercedes. He still prays for his own. And yet he continues, even when he was attacked, he still healed. He still heals. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him, a great crowd with swords and clubs and the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck off, struck off the servant's ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and He will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Here, the moment of betrayal, the moment of arrest happens. And we see Judas coming and betraying with the greatest picture of friendship, a kiss. Beware the kisses of an enemy, the proverb says. And here we see it coming to pass. This is the sign of betrayal. And isn't it amazing that the sign of betrayal was a sign of friendship? And immediately, the guards sweeped upon him. The, the text says they laid their hands upon him. That's a really bad translation. The, the, the Greek there literally means they, they assaulted him. They threw him down, beat him, began to trample him. To seize him and arrest him. And, and the disciples thinking, Here's the time. Now we're going to fight. Peter, ripping out his sword, knocks off the ear of the high priest guard. And Jesus immediately stops it. Stop! You don't think that if I wanted to destroy everybody, how easy that would be for me? That if I didn't ask and appeal to my father in a moment for 12 legions, that's 12,000 angels. Think about what two did to Sodom and Gomorrah. I could call 12,000 angels down in a moment. This is not the way my kingdom comes. But something remarkable happens here. That Matthew's gospel, we don't have, but Luke's gospel gives clear to us. About that, that high priest guard whose ear was cut off. We read this in Luke's account, Luke 22, 50 and 51. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. He was attacked. And yet he still heals. What love is this? What grace is this? What mercy is this? He could have have laid waste to all of us, brothers and sisters, in a moment and would have been rightfully just in doing so. And yet, rather than crushing the one who attacks him, he heals him. And he says, My kingdom doesn't come this way. And when he says that, that's the final straw for those men. We see finally, he was abandoned and yet He still redeems. 55 and 56. At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture Me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize Me. But all this has taken place that the Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left Him and fled. Jesus makes very clear in this whole story. I hope you've heard it over and over again. The Scriptures will be fulfilled. The Scriptures must be fulfilled. This must happen that the Scriptures must be fulfilled. And before we go any further, I want to make this very clear. That's the key statement in all of Maundy Thursday that makes very clear Jesus is no helpless victim. This is the plan. The predestined plan of God to use the most sinful thoughts and hearts ever devised in mankind to be the means by which He brings good to the world. If you ever thought that God is not sovereign over evil, you have not looked at the cross close enough. This is not a helpless victim who is being thrown to his death unwillingly. This is one who says, I have all the power in the world to crush everyone. And yet I will go. Because this is the will of my Father. This is what the Scriptures say must happen. And now the disciples have had enough. He's supposed to come and cleanse us from Roman oppression. He's supposed to come and do away with all of this pain and suffering. And yet he keeps talking about scriptures and surrendering. He healed the very one who came to attack him. And they're done. It's time to go. And they abandon him. They flee him. He is left alone. You see, the the problem with these disciples is they thought like so many people in this world today that my greatest enemy exists out there instead of in here and this is what he came to kill this sin in me he will be faithful in doing so like a sheep led to the slaughter he must go alone for he alone can bear what must come and yes he will be alone abandoned and yet the very ones that deny Him, that abandon Him, tomorrow He will redeem. He will redeem in immense power and forgiveness. My friends, when He said, I have loved you to the end, this is love. Betrayed, yet He still blesses. Denied, yet He still restores. Slept upon, yet He still intercedes. Attacked, yet He still heals. Abandoned, yet He still redeems. The Gospel is for failures. And every one of you in this room, including myself, is a failure. How many times have I betrayed Him? With my thoughts and my deeds. How many times have I denied Him? How many times have I been lulled to sleep by the world? And slept on obedience? How many times have I attacked Him with my actions and thoughts? How many times have I abandoned Him for my own desires and my own self-preservation? And yet He still blesses He still restores. He still redeems. He still heals. What a Christ. This is a love like no other. And this is the love that he offers to you. This is the mercy he offers to you. You are an immense failure. I am an immense failure. And the only hope we have in this world is Jesus. And He says, You're precisely who I came for. When everything else failed around Him, He was faithful. When everything else was falling apart, when everyone left, He was faithful. And my friends, when everything else falls around you, when everything else fails around you, you can be sure He won't. He won't. I am sure of this. That every single believer in Jesus Christ will persevere and endure to the end and one day stand in glory with their King forever. I am one billion percent confident in that. But my confidence in that is not at all in you or me my confidence is in him I'll fail if it's up to me I'm done for if it's up to you you're done for praise be to God it's up to him and he is faithful and his faithfulness is greater than your failure praise be to God And in the midst of all of this failure, tomorrow he will redeem it once and for all. This will be a long night for Jesus. He will be taken to a home, given a a makeshift trial, falsely accused, spit upon, mocked, beaten. But this must happen for the scriptures to be fulfilled. Every moment of the sinfulness of men directed towards Him, only strengthens His resolve to accomplish the will and being the means by which all sin can be forgiven. And my friends, this is at the heart of the Lord's Supper. When you come to the Lord's Supper week after week, you come after a week of failure. A week of falling on your face, a week of frustration, a week of battling with your own personal sin, a week of of that, that mortification of the flesh, that war with our own sin and our own bodies and our own minds, our own hearts. And we come to the table, and Jesus says, Come. Come and be restored. Come and be renewed. Come and be healed. Look through the elements to the glories of what I have done for you. My body broken for you. My blood poured out for you. We come here to the grand reality that His faithfulness is greater than our failures. His grace greater than our sin. His strength greater than our weakness. And we come and we surrender it all to by faith, Receive the nourishment that he alone can give. Loved you. And it is beyond all comprehension. But I close with this thought. He said, I have loved you. So that you will love one another in the same way. Who has betrayed you? And how will you bless them? Who has sped upon you and mocked you and put you down? How will you be a healer? Who has sought to be divisive? How will you be a peacemaker? You have been given the ministry of reconciliation in Christ. Will such love characterize us? He said it would. Wherever those failures are tonight, wherever you've fallen short, wherever you've betrayed, wherever it is that you've gone through and and mocked and sped upon and attacked Christ coming here today, whether it's been in your thoughts or actions, wherever you walked away from Him or denied Him, knowing what His will was for you, be restored to God by looking to Jesus who says, I'm all for you. There wasn't a single part of me that was not poured out for you, my bride. And receive his mercy through these means of grace in the Lord's Supper.